Jesus bestowed upon his body, being the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, teacher. Now, growing up as a Methodist, I knew that there was the office of the pastor. Lonnie's dad was a pastor. I'm a pastor. And once in a while, I don't remember this, but Kathy does, they'd have an evangelist visit. They had a revival. It was at Silver Creek. And a number of people came to Christ because of the office of the evangelist, which is what we're talking about today. But then there's also, you know, uh, there's a prophet. There's, there's teachers. And so the, the thing that, that's it's sad that there are a lot of churches in Norfolk, and, but they don't recognize there's just more than a hammer. There's more than just a screwdriver or a saw. There are a number of tools and gifts that Christ has bestowed upon his church to help us. Why did, why did Jesus Christ give to the church the prophet, the apostle, the evangelist, the pastor, and teacher? It says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man or a mature man or woman, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be what? Children. Tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning and craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth and love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So there's a purpose for the office of the apostle. There's a purpose for the prophet. There's a purpose for the evangelist. There's a purpose for the pastor and teacher. See, a lot of those like Mike Keats and, and Joan Pierce and Greg Fritz, who's a fine teacher, they travel all around helping us grow up and to mature. Then there's the pastor that has to stay behind like Abe's father is a pastor. We don't travel around in our ministry. We stay put and get dirty with the sheep. And thank God for the pastor. I said thank God for the preacher. But we need everyone. And that's what I want you to understand. There's a purpose for the office of the evangelist. He just went home to be with the Lord, Billy. You know, the greatest evangelist, you know, that in this time in history. And how many of you know, you know, we we miss that. I mean, part of the body is is gone, but you know, God will always raise somebody up. You know, his son is an evangelist also. So the purpose for the ministry gifts or these fivefold ministry gifts is to equip the saints. Equip means to perfect, to prepare, and to train. And that in the Greek um, definition of the of the word equip or perfect, it, it means to set a bone during surgery. How many of you have gone to a chiropractor to get adjusted? Jesus, the great physician, will make the necessary adjustments in his church so his church will not get out of joint. And so this Easter weekend, we will have a specific ministry gift, not a pastor, not an apostle, not a prophet, not so much a teacher, but an evangelist. 
And that's what I want to talk to you about, the evangelist today. And it, it tells us here that we're to, uh, the evangelist or, or any one of these fivefold ministry gifts will help us mature and help us grow up and they will perfect us. Why? For the work of the ministry and the edifying of the body of Christ. So get this in mind, when we come to Easter weekend, there's a specific purpose for these services. She's not going to be really teaching. And, and you need to understand what makes a ministry gift tick, okay? How many of you know what a prophet is? How many, how many of you know we've had Hank Kuhneman here through the years? How many know they're different? They're different. We've had a lot of teachers. Greg Fritz is probably, she's Kathy's favorite teacher. One of the finest teachers can open up the Bible and make it come alive, and it's so simple and relevant. But then the evangelist comes, and that's what we're going to look at. What makes the evangelist tick? Well, what is an evangelist? The evangelist, if you look in the Greek, is defined this way. One who brings the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That simple. The evangelist will come, and she'll preach about who? Everything she talks about will be about Jesus. The evangelist's favorite theme is salvation. That's simple. And really, that's probably the most important, don't you think? God desire, God the Father desires that all men and women be saved and come to the knowledge of truth, okay? It's mentioned that this office of the evangelist is mentioned uh, three times in the Bible. In Ephesians um, chapter 4, which I read to you, there we, we have it mentioned that Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, apostles some practice prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers. In 2 Timothy 4, 5, look at there. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5, we'll see the next reference of the evangelist. 2 Timothy 4, 5, the apostle Paul tells Pastor Timothy, young Pastor Timothy, it says, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the what? Do the work of an evangelist. So you can be a pastor, but you should still do the work of an evangelist. You can be a born-again believer filled with the Spirit of God, but you, you can do the work of an evangelist. What's that mean, work? Well, it takes work to be an evangelist. It takes work to travel all around the world and preach about Jesus. There's hardships you have to deal with. Whatever office you're in, whatever fivefold ministry gift you are, you're going to have to do some work. You know, if you're part of a local church, you've got to do some work. We just, you know, Pastor Brad got up and talked about we need some guys to help us, you know, clean up the grounds a little bit. Well, and it takes work. How many of you know Night to Shine was work? There's a lot of work for Julie, coordinating everything, but it has to be done. Maybe it's not convenient for you, you know, to go out of your way and invite somebody for Easter weekend. Maybe it's it takes some extra time and effort and work. So here's another one. Look at Acts, and this is what I want you to see. This is the greatest example of an evangelist. Acts 21 and verse 8. 
Who was the church's first evangelist? We'll find out here. Acts chapter 21. It says this, on the next day, Paul and his ministry team, 21 verse 8, on the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of who? Philip, what? The evangelist who was one of the seven. What do you mean one of the seven? He's, remember when they were, the early church was just, you know, birthed and, and they were having a lot of activity and the apostles were having to do everything. And finally they said, this isn't right. This isn't good. We got to raise up a helps ministry. Well, he, Philip, was one of the first of the seven that was raised up to help serve the people, okay? And it says, they called him Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. And I want you to see, he was an evangelist. He was a true blue evangelist. But where did he start? He started serving the people in the local church. Now, there were, when I went to, to Raymond Bible Training Center, there were people that came that thought they were, they were called to be a, an apostle. They were called to be a prophet. It, it's, it, there's always the apostle prophet or an evangelist. It was never, I'm called to be a preacher or a pastor. And when I went to school, I had, did not go with the mindset of becoming a pastor. In fact, all the, the crew that I ran with in school when I went to my class reunion could not believe that I became a pastor because I was a party boy. And I didn't grow up, I, I didn't, you know, live my life. I, I didn't go to church that much, Lonnie. I know you're, you were in church all the time. But I got saved, I, I, I found out who Jesus was, and I just, I was so hungry for Christ, I wanted to know him, I, I wanted to serve, just like Philip was called to serve. You know, I still believe maybe God will speak to your heart, one day you're going to be a five-fold ministry gift, but he's going to watch you and he's going to test you and see how well you can do in serving. Now, I'm not only called to be a pastor, but I have a serving gift. What's that mean? You don't have to ask me to do something. I see it, and then I do it because I want to serve. I get more reward out and, and, you know, joy out of serving. You know, if I had to step away and take my pastor's hat off forever, some days it would be real easy. But deep down, there'd be something in me. I would, once Pastor Brad is, is the head pastor here, I would still want to serve. Wherever I'd go, whatever church I'd be in, I'd want to serve. Do you see what I mean? I'd want to get involved. And see, my sister's the same way. She is a different ministry. She's not a five-fold ministry gift. But in my family line, down the family tree, there were a lot of people that just loved to serve. So can you see that? If, you're, if you think you're called to five-fold ministry gift or full-time ministry, how well do you enjoy serving others? Because it takes a servant's heart if you're going to be a, sex, a successful pastor, evangelist, teacher, apostle, prophet. Okay? So here we have 
Philip. Now look at Acts chapter 8. Well, I got out of Bible school. I didn't know really I was going to be a pastor till toward the end. I just wanted to get involved with ministry. We came to Norfolk, and Kathy and I started working with, with the youth program. 300 South 2nd in, in back in, in the early 80s. And I didn't find out for, you know, it was a while till I realized, and I had revelation, in fact, I'm called to be a preacher. I'm called to be a pastor, and for a while I ran from it. You can run from God if you want, but you're going to be miserable. Finally, one day I said, not my will, but your will be done. And I put the pastor hat on. But look at Acts chapter 8. Look at um, verse 5. This is Philip. We've already established the fact that he was called to be a pastor. He's the New Testament model of that ministry gift. And it says, then Philip went down to the what? The city of Samaria, and what did he do? He preached what? On tithes and offerings? On serving? On giving? On building a church? What? No, it says here, he preached Christ to them. Now, that's where he started, but look in verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth. Now, you got to remember, this is where, I don't want to read the whole thing, but starting in verse 26, God had spoken to him by an angel to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from the Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert. And this, verse 27, it says, He arose and went, and he met somebody. He said he met an Ethiopian, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. So in the beginning of the chapter, Philip was called to a, what did he affect? A city. So he preached to multitudes. But at the end of a chapter, we find Philip preaching about Christ to one person. Say one person doesn't make any difference. If you're called to be an evangelist, you're going to preach to multitudes or you're going to obey God and preach to one person. Because salvation is a personal thing between you and God. It's not a fad. It's not something you get up and you get people all worked up over something. God is, and this is what just overwhelms me so much. How interested God the Father is in you personally. The creator of heaven and earth knows your name. He loves you. He knows all your quirks, idiosyncrasies. He knows all about you. He knows your personal sin, things that you struggle with every day. But my God, he still loves you and I. He's a wonderful God. He's interested not just in, in, you know, multitudes of people. Yes, he is. He wants to see cities come to, to Christ, his son. But he's also interested in just one person. And if you could get that through your head, oh, God, I know he loves you. 
loves them. He's blessed them. He's interested in them. They're a better person than they, they don't have the background and, and the sin that problem that I dealt with. Well, it doesn't make any difference. God loves you. He's concerned about one sinner repenting of his sin and coming to Christ. It just blows my mind. I, I had something happen to me. We, we went this weekend, Kathy and I, and um, went to Kearney, and we wanted to go see the cranes. Anybody ever do that? We'd ne- I'd never done that, seen that many cranes. So we decided to go. So Caleb and Kaylee, they opened our house and to us, and, and uh, then on Saturday morning, we got in the truck, and Caleb drove us west of Kearney. I don't remember where we went to some town. And, and of course, he knows Dad likes to stop at antique stores, so he, he let Dad. And we stopped at what town was that? Overton. Never been there, really. And there was a building there. Oh, my, you would have gone nuts, Alan. This man had had a whole building full of stuff. He'd bought estates over the years, infrastructure full of stuff. But needless to say, I set, I set that up to tell you, before we went, you know, Micah likes to make extra money. And, uh, you know, as the kids that age, you start running out of money. And Micah's not one, and Caleb was never one to come and ask mom and dad for money. They just don't do that. They know they have to work for money. And so I said, he's done some stuff for me in, in the past in, in restored antiques. And he said, I, I need some money. And, and I said, okay, we'll see what we can find you. And so I just talked to God because our God's a personal God. He cares about you. And you know, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. Quit complaining because you don't have something. Ask him for it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So I said, Father, I need a trunk for him. He can restore it. And we walked into that building, and this, and this gal took me through a maze of stuff, and there was a trunk. Well, I'd done this for many years in my life. And it was marked 40 bucks. So I took that trunk, and I carried it up there, and I said, I can do better than that, God. Gal takes care of it. He'll make, he'll make $100 for little effort. Now, maybe he was, he, he appreciated it. He thanked me for it. But what touched my heart was, God is interested in you. He's interested in your kids. He wants every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's very, no variableness, no shadow of turning. He wants to bless you and your family. You just need to ask him. And when I got that trunk, you know, I, I'm getting more sentimental. I, I, when I was alone, I thanked him. I thought, Father, you're interested in my son. He wants to make a little extra money, and you provided this trunk for me. It was not just a trunk. It was a good trunk. She's interested in little things. Everyone say little things. So Philip started with a a group of people, but then he got down to the brass tacks. He got down to one thing. And no matter what scripture an evangelist will begin to talk about, he or she will always go back to talking about who? Jesus Christ. Preaching salvation. Now look at um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Our God is a good God. A wonderful God. And he loves you. 
quit beating up on yourself and feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah, we all got our idiosyncrasies. We're all, you know, got character flaws, but he still loves us, and his mercy is new today for me and you. Amen. The evangelist, what accompanies the office of the evangelist? Everyone say supernatural equipment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28, verse 28, here we have a list of the fivefold ministry gifts, but it's a little different than Ephesians. It says, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles. Well, it's important that you understand the apostles are first because they're the ones that go in and lay a foundation and build a church. Then come the prophets, third the teachers. Now, and then after that, miracles and gifts of healings. Do you see the name evangelist? No. But what accompanies the office of the evangelist? Miracles and gifts of healings. Everyone say miracles. Everyone say healing. Well, you, you go back. Now go back to Acts 8. Acts chapter 8. see Philip, verse 5, it says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them, and the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the what? Hearing and seeing the what? Miracles which he did for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Do you see it? So that that's, tells you this supernatural equipment. So, you know, what what distinguishes the evangelist from the other fivefold ministry gifts? Yeah, the prophet has supernatural equipment. All the gifts have supernatural equipment and can function in the gifts of the Spirit. But evangelists, many times, <coughs> it's miracles and healing. Miracles and healing. How, you know, what, what's the church need today? Miracles and healing. And see, growing up in, 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 in the Methodist denomination, they didn't really lay hands on the sick. Now, Kathy, in a, had, <laughs> she had, uh, and it reminded, when I think of her pastor in Monroe, Nebraska, reminded me of somebody like Bonnie who was a Methodist pastor, but you had a couple. What were their names? West was their name. And I, I know your, your father knew this couple. It was about the same period of time. And they were born again. They were really born again ministers. They had Jesus in their heart, but they were also filled with the Spirit of God and spoke in other tongues. Now, this isn't the Methodist church. This is, you know, and, and they were, what? This is the 70s. But they were instrumental in getting her act together because she was a rebel then. She's still a rebel now. She was really a rebel back then. And she was in an accident. She and her friend had been out, and they'd been partying, and they you flipped the car. Was it your car or Melva's? Flipped the car, and they were injured, and, and uh, she was in the hospital. And this minister came, and... This, this Methodist minister, I got, I got, you know, my heart goes out to the, these men and women out there this, in small towns doing the work 
of the gospel, taking care of the sheep. He came to the hospital, the preacher did, and looked at her in the bed and said, you're not going to change your ways. I'm not praying for you. Now, there's a man I could follow. If you're not going to quit doing what you're doing, that's going to be useless for me to pray for you. Some of you wonder why things aren't working in your life. It means you got to get your poop in a group. Get your act together. Start using wisdom. Crying out and asking God what needs. So Kathy was smart. I didn't marry a stupid woman. Wisdom came, boom, into your life. And you said, I can make the adjustment and change. And he prayed for her. And, and God restored health to her. And she went on to go to Oral Roberts University. And the greatest thing, she got up and married me. That was a big life, too, self-right life. But, but they knew Christ. And, and, and Kathy had been to services where they had evangelists. So I want you to, I want you to realize when you come that weekend, it's going to be different. Some of you need different. Some of you need a miracle. Now, I got one person in mind that I'm inviting a family that, that has been and had a serious health issue and had surgery and had problems, and, and I'm going to invite them. They're Catholics. Well, it doesn't make any difference. Supernatural equipment. Supernatural ad advertisement or advertisement. It says there was great joy in the city. It says multitudes heeded. Heeded what Philip had to say. Now, listen, I'm about done. True evangelism. A true evangelist will preach the word. Not get up here and read from a book. Tell, tell you what's on the internet, but a true evangelist will preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. It doesn't say here in Acts 8, 12, it says, but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. It doesn't say they believed what they saw. It says when they believed Philip preaching. You've got to preach the word of God. What did Billy Graham preach when you watched when I was a young man and my father and I were sitting there in front of the TV? I didn't know what it really what an evangelist was when I was young like that. But he preached Christ. He preached the scripture. It's the scripture, it's the word of God that will bring conviction to you. So it's got to be, say it's got to be the Bible. It's got to be the word of God. Doesn't say they believed when, what they saw. It says when they believed Philip preaching. Only the preaching of the word will affect the will of the sinner. Pastor Brad, you can get up in the years ahead and you can preach your stories and tell stories, but you've got to give them the Scripture. 
There were mass conversions in Samaria in the beginning of this chapter. But at the end of the chapter, one person was saved. Like I said, conversion is an individual matter. Now, the evangelist is a roving ministry. The evangelist goes all around, flies around, drives around. What's Mike Keyes do? He has a roving ministry. He's in, in the Philippines. He has churches and all over in the mountains and in cities, and he's got to go there. The apostle has a roving ministry too. What's a pastor? The pastor stays put. Do you? I bet you don't even realize how rare it is for me and my wife to have been here how many over 30 years in one place. And there are times you can think, oh, I'd sure like to travel around. And I'm sure there's times evangelists would say, I'd sure like to stay put. But you got to do what God's called you to do. Now, the evangelist needs the apostle. The evangelist needs the prophet. The evangelist needs the teacher. And most certainly, the evangelist needs the pastor. Because the evangelist will come and get people saved. Healings and miracles and things will happen. But guess who's going to lead the next day? The evangelist. Who's going to lead the next day many times? The prophet, the apostle. The preacher has to stay and answer the phone when you get your fat in the fire. When you need help. Amen? When you got a problem with the baby in the womb, the evangelist isn't going to come and knock on your door. <coughs> it's the church. It's the preacher. Say, I need the evangelist, but I really need you, Pastor Mike. That'll do. Now, the evangelist needs the other four ministry gifts. The ministry gifts given by Christ are all dependent upon one another. We'll close with this. I mean, in Acts 8, look at verse 14. <coughs> so all this transpired in this city. The people heeded what, what he preached. Multitudes were saved and people were healed and there were miracles and but it says in verse 14, it says, When the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. How had they received the word of God? Because the office of the uh, evangelist. What did they do? It says, They sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So what happened? The evangelist got them saved. The evangelist got them healed. There were miracles, but it doesn't say that Philip got him filled with the Holy Ghost. So what did they do? They sent Peter and John, who had a specific endowment or a gift, to get people filled with the Holy Ghost. And when they had come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Philip the evangelist really had no ability to establish a church. Philip the evangelist had no ability to really to get people filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with that heavenly prayer language. And that's why they sent Peter and John there. But I want you to see how they all work together. 
All the fivefold ministry gifts work together. Philip did his job. Peter and John went down and did their job and got filled with the Holy Ghost. Timothy, who was the pastor, did his job. The Barnabas did his job. They all, that's no different. Everyone in, at Harvest Church should have something to do. All the fivefold ministry gifts, you know, are important to the body. We don't, we don't exalt the evangelist, the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher. We only exalt Jesus Christ. Too many people put an office or a ministry gift on a, a podium, and then they worship that ministry gift. Listen, if people are worshiping an individual, a human being, they're in trouble. We only worship at Harvest Church Jesus Christ. He gets all the glory. He gets all the honor. And he gets all the glory and all the honor when the fivefold ministry gifts do their job. He gets all the glory and all the honor when everybody in the local church does their job. Does that mean, Pastor, cleaning rock up is a job? Yeah, that's work. But you're doing your job. Everybody doing what they're called to do. Look at your neighbor and say, I really need the evangelist. I really need the preacher. But I really need you. Let's stand to our feet this morning. I I kind of unhooked from our regular series because I wanted I wanted you to come prepared. You know, Julie threw me off the track because I didn't realize that she was 82 years old. I'm still believing she's 72. But I don't care if she's 82. She can still do the job. Caleb took a mountain. How old was he? 80. But I want you to come expecting. I want you to come, and I want what I want to occur. You might already know Christ is your Lord and Savior, but I want your heart to be stirred up for the multitudes that are out there that don't know Christ. There's people in the Lutheran church, the Methodist church, in the Baptist church. There might be people in, in the Catholic church. God loves them. He's no respecter of persons, but they still need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They still need to be born again. Father, today, thank you for the office, the the variety of the ministry gifts that you've given your body. We need the apostle, we need the prophet, we need the evangelist, we need the pastor and teacher. Well, the evangelist is coming to Harvest Church, and so, Lord, we want to be prepared for that. So, Lord, I gave them the word today. I gave them the scripture. I gave them the New Testament model of a true evangelist. So we come expecting people to be saved. We come expecting people to be healed. We come expecting miracles in Jesus' name. And everyone in agreement said, Amen.